Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Hey, as we begin a new year, a new start, like, like Isaac said, the gyms are full this time of year. We're all, I think it's a God-given desire to improve our lives, and that sometimes can't take us to weird places. But for the most part, it's a God-given desire. It's a lot to do. It's a fresh, clean slate. And what we're going to talk about this series is growth, but growing in the area that matters the most. And so before we look at you individually, let's just step back a little bit and talk about our church corporately. Our mission is simply in four words. Would you say these four words with me? Share Jesus, build believers. That's what we want to do. We want to do that for the rest of our lives. And the great question is, how do we do this? How do we build believers? Like, what is it that we're trying to build? Are we trying to build muscle? Are we trying to build, like, hair growth? Are we trying to build houses? Are we trying to build financial security? What is it that we're trying to build? And it's really this last word, believe. We're trying to build faith or trust in people that will trust God more and that will depend on him more. That's our heart and that's our desire. Why? Because trust is at the center of every healthy relationship. And as we begin 2023, I know you want to have a more meaningful relationship with your creator, and it will be centered around your trust in him. We don't want a church that's full of people who simply know the Bible. We want a church full of people who have great faith with the author of the scriptures and with the hero of the Bible. So why? Because at its core, Christianity is simply an invitation to trust God. In fact, if we broke the Bible into its two halves in the Old Testament, it really at the end of the day is just a story of God saying, trust me. Jesus, if you look at his message in the New Testament, the epicenter of his message was believe. That's what we're trying to do is share Jesus and build people who believe more who believe more deeply, and who believe no matter what, building believers. Now, this is a big deal because Jesus, if you ever look at the story of the New Testament, he was never amazed or shocked. There are the only exceptions when Jesus was amazed, surprised seemingly, and responded that way, was around a great display of faith. There's this story you may remember in the New Testament of a soldier who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you come and heal someone in my home? And Jesus said, well, sure. You want me to just go with you to your home? And the person said, no. I believe so much that you have the power to just speak the words of healing right here, right now, and they will be healed. And in response to that great display of faith, I want you to see Jesus' reaction to Matthew chapter 8. It says, Jesus heard this and He was amazed. One of the only times in Scripture you'll ever see that. Why? Because of this man's great faith. This is what we want. Now, here's the really important thing. Faith is at the center of this relationship with God that you and I both want. Faith is at the center. But, Hebrews 11, 6, we know this is true. Without it, without faith, it is, say this word with me, impossible to please God. So whatever you grow this year, may we be a group of people who choose right here, right now, we are going to grow our faith because it's at the center of my relationship with my God. Trust, faith, dependence, confidence in Jesus. Now, so back to our mission. Our mission is four words, share Jesus, build believers. 
And we believe here at LifePoint that the best way, the best spiritual growth plan, which is what we're going to talk about in this series, is completely designed around building people's faith. It's building our trust. And so that's what this series is about. A growth plan. Developing a life that matters most, really focused on faith. That's what we're going to talk about. And so you say, here's the million dollar question. Okay, yeah, but how do you grow your faith, right? How do you grow your faith? And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. Five things that grow your faith. And each week we'll look at a different thing that grows your faith according to Scripture. And today the first thing that we're going to look at is an essential one. It's an important one. And it's called personal ministry. Next week we'll look at number two and so on as we go through this series. What is personal ministry and why is that such a big deal? Because this is when your faith not only flows to you, but it flows through you. This is when you go from being a a consumer to being a contributor, from being a spectator to being a participant. When you join a volunteer team, when you begin to serve, when you begin to contribute to the faith of other people, this is a personal ministry. This is sort of like you're like, I'm going to get in the game and I'm going to have a personal ministry. This is when you step up to that place. Now, when you talk to people about their faith, how did their faith grow? You'll often hear people say, well, it was when I began to do this thing that I didn't feel prepared for and I actually started doing it against my will. You'll hear that a lot. Did you notice Pastor Ben, who, by the way, spoke last week, our student pastor, and did a fabulous job. He actually shared that in his message where he said, when I was 18 years old, you remember that? He said, I was actually walking down the hallway at church and all of a sudden somebody walked up to me with curriculum and put it in my hand and said, will you go to the middle school boys and lead them today in small group because their leader didn't show up. And he's like, well, I'm not prepared. And they said, well, congratulations. They said, well, I don't feel adequate. I feel a little scared. Good. Why? His faith grew. He didn't feel adequate. He didn't feel prepared. He didn't even know he was going to do it when he showed up that day, and yet he did it, and his faith grew. The Bible is full of people who were hesitant to take a step of faith, and in every case, their faith grew. There is just something that is so important, if you are serious about your faith growing, to taking the step of personal ministry where you begin to serve other people and the development of their faith. It's why here at LifePoint, we want to create every opportunity to as many as possible to serve and invite young people as soon as possible to serve here at LifePoint because we know it's such a significant role in developing your faith. Why? Because if you want your confidence to grow in God, you're going to join a volunteer team so that you can help the faith of other people grow. Now, with all that said, I just want to tell you, there is no better day to join a volunteer team than today. And you say, why today? Well, I'm really glad you asked because I have some big news to share with you and it really involves our participation as a church. And we're gonna come back to this here in just a minute. Now, if you're new today, let me just tell you, this is not a typical day or a typical message, but we're really glad that you are here today anyway because you get to see behind the curtains a little bit and you get to discover what we value the most. And you also get to discover that this church is made up of an amazing, generous group of people who really love God and we don't have it figured out, but we are committed to serving him to the best of our ability. And so we're grateful that you are here today. Over the last couple of years, if you are new, you, you need to know that the LifePoint leadership has felt a very clear call from God 
to eventually establish a campus to the north, the growing area to the north, so that we can share Jesus and build believers with more people. And so here's what we've been doing over the last couple of years to kind of catch everybody up. Over the last couple of years, some of the things we've been doing is we've adjusted our ministry budget to achieve a more healthy financial state. Second thing we've been doing is we've been trying to hire staff with multi-campus experience. God has sure blessed us in that way. And we've also been negotiating with charter school, a particular charter school, over the potential sale of this campus with a leaseback option. And so I, uh, last October, we were at a place where, you know, I just, I just knew God was, was leading us to this place, and, and yet here we were. And, and so I invited the, the leadership team, and we went off-site one day, and we had an all-day meeting. And, and here was the purpose of that meeting. The purpose of that meeting was to answer this question. If God has given us the green light to establish a second campus, what is keeping us from doing that? And so we began to talk about this in great detail. We began to spend a lot of time in prayer. And by the end of that day, we had identified what we believed were the three biggest hurdles. And I want to share them with you. First big hurdle is, well, we don't have a facility. That's kind of important, right? And where we're looking, they're very difficult to buy, very difficult to rent. There's just not much available. We've been looking for two years. The second thing was finances. In order to launch a service and all the startup costs, along with two years' worth of ministry and rental, it's around $650,000 for a second campus. The third big hurdle that we identified is volunteers. In order to backfill this and to establish a new campus, we're looking at 150 volunteers that would be needed. These are big hurdles. And so, if I'm honest, we spent the day praying knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord, right? I also remind you that we began our first gather in October, and many of you got together with us, and we all began to pray. And at that point, all that had happened is we had identified the hurdles. Well, after that meeting, the next morning, I am doing my quiet time, and I was praying praying and and if I'm honest with you I was praying in a sense of frustration and I prayed God you led us to prepare for a second campus so that we could share Jesus and build more believers but you God aren't opening the doors we've identified the hurdles and God I can't open these doors and if I'm honest I was sort of at that place of being a little frustrated. And so I began to read in my Bible and I began to read about a particular leader who also had big hurdles and big challenges. His name is Moses. And if you don't know the story of Moses, let me give you a quick summary. Moses was a person who was actually called to go back to the nation of Egypt to free over a million Israelites who were enslaved in that nation. And Moses was going to be led of God to free them in what's often called the Exodus from the nation of Egypt. In other words, Moses had a clear call. In fact, he literally had a burning bush experience. But immediately, Moses doubted his ability to do what God had called him to do. You ever been there? You feel like God's leading you to do something? You're like, but the only problem is I can't do that. Kind of like Ben when he was handed 
the curriculum. The only problem is I can't do that. I'm not prepared to do that. I don't know how to do that. I didn't come ready to do that. And then Moses, when he finally did obey, things got immediately worse. How's that for trusting God and building your faith? Ever been there? I mean, what happened was after Moses did what God told him to do, the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, actually ended up making the work harder for the Israelites. And guess what? The Israelites, the very people Moses was trying to rescue, began to hate and despise Moses. So Moses is doing what God told me to do, and they, the only people I'm supposed to rescue, now hate me along with the enemy I already had. And he goes to God, and guess what? He's frustrated. He's like, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm doing what you told me to do, and this is the way it's going to turn out. This is the way it's going to go. And I believe Moses is asking God, what are you doing? I obeyed you, and lives have gotten worse. I obeyed you, and I don't know what else to do because these hurdles are just too big. And I, I was just thinking, go, Moses, tell him. Tell him. God needs to hear this stuff, right? And then I turned the page literally in my Bible that morning, and it was Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. And when Moses got quiet long enough, God responded to Moses. And this is what God said to Moses. God responded to Moses and said, now you will see what I will do. Well, Jesus like, whoa. It's one of those moments. You'll see what I will do to Pharaoh. And because of my mighty hand, not what you're doing, Moses, you, have, you don't have the ability to do this, and I'm just glad you're finally recognizing it. Because of my mighty hand, he, the Pharaoh, will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, not because of anything that you're going to do, Moses, Not because of anything you're going to do, Mark. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. And so as we begin this series, can I just let you know right now, I would love for us to, I want to encourage you to consider memorizing this verse. Because I don't know what your Pharaoh is in life, but this verse applies to you and me. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm going to ask you to say it with me. God responded to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. And because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of the country, Exodus 6.1. Would you say that out loud with me? Say it with me. God responded to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country, Exodus 6.1. So what Moses was learning, what I am learning, is this is what God asks of us. Do what you can do and trust God to do what only he can do. So you have a part, you just don't have the complete part. You don't even have the big part, but you have a part to do what you can do and then trust God to do what only he can do. Now, I gotta tell you, when I read that verse this morning, here are the words that stuck out to me. Now you will see what I will do. When I read that, I just thought, God, what are you saying? And so I wrote down in my journal that morning those, those eight great words. Now you will see what I will do. When you come to the end of yourself and when you become desperate enough of me, now you will see what I will do. I, I took my phone out and I put it in the notes app and I, I plugged it in there. I came to work and I told some of the team, I had this 
this incredible time with God. I just felt strong confidence from that. I felt like God took some of the weight off of my shoulders. I didn't have any business being there. And I gave it back to God. I said, okay, God, this is your thing. Now we will see what you will do. And that day, as we came to work, I was reminded that my job is obedience. God's job is outcomes. My job is submission, and his job is the supernatural. And so that work, that day I came to work, and guess what? Hurdle number one was still staring me in the face, the facility. And after two years of searching and looking, that day, out of nowhere, a facility became available in the very exact place we've been talking about looking that we had no idea was going to be there. And immediately when it became available, you know what I thought? Now you will see what I will do. Now you will see what I will do. I didn't have anything to do with this. I can't take any credit for it. I wasn't smart enough to figure it out. Now you will see what I will do. But then we had the financial problem, the financial hurdle. And that's kind of a big one. Seven days later, one week to the day, Pastor Dennis called me. And he said, Mark, are you sitting down? I don't know if you thought I was going to pass out or what. Have you ever gotten news and you passed out, but we just kind of say that? He said, Mark, LifePoint just received an unexpected donation in an amount that covers the $650,000 that's needed for the first two years of the new campus. It's the largest single donation in the history of the church. You know what I thought? Now you will see what I will do. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. This is our God. This is our God doing what only he can do. We do what we can do and then trust him to do what only he can do. I'm going to tell you, I genuinely believe this is the mighty hand of God. And and I know there's a cynicism in all of us that's tempted to think, well, yeah, but maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe it's a coincidence that you read that ancient conversation between Moses and God on the very day that God began to clear hurdles. Maybe it's a coincidence that we couldn't find a facility for two years, but on that very day, God revealed a location in the exact spot that we've been looking for the last two years. Maybe it's a coincidence that we needed a certain amount of money, and a large overwhelming amount of money, and that is what God provided, the exact overwhelming amount of money in an unexpected donation, the largest in the history of our church. Maybe that's a coincidence, but I'm here to tell you, I am confident it is the mighty hand of God at work doing what only he can do. Amen? Well, you guys are ahead of me. I was going to say, you guys, we've got to stop and just give God praise for what he's doing, and only he can do, and you, and you guys are there. And if, Well, I, I begin to share some of this with PG. If you're new, he's our founding pastor, and I was just sharing some of the details because 30-plus years ago, he did this very thing. He came to a place in an area that was growing with young families, and that's why we're here at LifePoint. And I began to share these details again with him, and you know what he said? Well, Mark, you'd be crazy not to start that second campus 
I notice he said you, but that's okay. I know, I know, I know, I know he's with me. So now are you ready for the details? I'd like to give you the details of all this. Are you ready for the details? Can I give it to you? Okay. All right, so here's the facility. The facility that has opened up is Rock Hill High School. That's a brand new 6A high school that's on the intersection of Coit and 380. So if you head up Coit, it's 16 minutes up the road. And here's what's fascinating. For the last couple of years, several of you have been asking, so where do you think the next campus is gonna be? And I would often say, well, honestly, we do not know, but the area we're looking at is that 380 corridor somewhere between McKinney, Prosper, and Frisco, remember? We would often just kind of give that as a landmark because truthfully, we didn't know. Do you know where this location is? This is literally a three-city intersection of McKinney, Prosper, and Frisco on the 380 corridor. You would think I'd have been smart enough to kind of scope that one out and find it, but, but I wasn't. So God figured it out for us. Now you will see what I will do. Now, <clears throat> it's 16 minutes away. The good news is Prosper ISD board has already met and approved us to use this and rent this facility as our second campus. Now, ultimately, long-term, we're gonna rent this as a temporary location. Long-term, we want to build a location somewhere in that region, but this is a great facility to begin to launch a new community in a new area. In fact, let me, let me tell you some of the things that, about this facility. The facility is a state-of-the-art auditorium. By the way, those of you who 30 plus years ago, these are adult-sized chairs. It's always a question people want to know, so I love to share that. Well-designed auditorium, uh, great space for kids, for lobby, for parking, great facility. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this area because the area is really important. This area, if you look at the area, is not only growing, it is growing primarily with young families. And here's why that's important. Because in 2020, again, Barna did the research and revealed that the majority of people go to church whenever their kids, their young families with kids, that's when they try church again, that's when they try their faith again. In other words, that's a big, huge mission field, young families, because they're considering issues of faith again. But here's another thing that I find fascinating. How many of you, let me just do a quick survey here in the room. How many of you in the room, when you consider when you began your relationship with Jesus, and maybe you're there here today and you're like, you know, I'm not even started that process yet. Man, I'm so grateful that you're here. We believe Jesus just makes your life better and it's the best decision you can ever make to surrender to him. And a lot of you have given your life to Jesus and those of you who have, how many of you would say that you gave your life to Jesus before the age of 30? If that's you, you gave your life to Jesus before the age of 30, would you just raise your hand, just raise it up high? Yeah, it's the far majority, yeah. that's Statistically, 95% of people give their life to Jesus who are going to give their life to Jesus before the age of 30. Now, when you look at this area, From here, when you do a deep dive on the demographics as we've done, every mile north gets younger in the population and there are fewer churches. And yet, the mission field, the harvest potential is greater every mile north and there are fewer churches with younger people. This is one of the reasons I believe when you look at this opportunity, it's more than an opportunity because 95% of the people who are gonna come to Jesus come to Jesus before the age of 30. I don't think it's just an opportunity. I feel it's a sense of obligation that God has gifted us this opportunity to take this step of faith and there is a reason for us 
to be part of expanding the kingdom. So the good news is, and this is, may surprise some of you, amongst the people who attend LifePoint, as we put together a pin map, 35% of you live as close or closer to Rock Hill than you do our Plano campus. Which means it becomes a more attractive place for you to invite your neighbors because of the proximity to where you live. Now, I gotta tell you about the finances because truthfully, this is, um, well, it was an unexpected donation that came from a longtime member of LifePoint who passed away last October. A quiet, faithful lady who loved the Lord and loved LifePoint. She served on our tech team. She came early often and would prep the building. She did this for decades. LifePoint was her family. And because of her extreme generosity, we will establish another LifePoint campus. Amen. I know for many, of, for many who've attended here a long time how much that means. Now, here's the, here's the question. Okay, so having said all that, Mark, what's the latest with the sale and leaseback of this campus? Well, negotiations with that interested charter school, which we've been in for a, a little bit as we've given you updates. We've tried to give you updates as there were updates, but those negotiations have slowed down. And they've moved away from some of the major terms that we had agreed on in the letter of intent. And so as a result, the timeline of the negotiation, which will continue, has been extended. Meanwhile, we're continuing to um, talk with others who are interested, and, um, and that conversation continues. So though we are not putting it on hold, we are putting the sale of the campus on the back burner. And more updates as they develop. We want you to have those as there are updates to give. But in the meantime, we will become one church with two locations. And immediately we begin to ask, okay, so what does that mean? How will the campuses compare? How will the, really in this case, the services compare? So the service times will be different. We'll have a, a one a little earlier and one a little later. And that allows me to speak in person at both places. It allows Ryan to lead worship in person at both places. Both services will be identical. We'll offer ministry to kids, students, and children, or to uh, adults in both places. Having the dual campus, one of the things it really allows the potential as far as sharing Jesus and building believers with more people, I want you to see the potential of these campuses. Right now, we have 314,000 people who live within a five-mile radius of this Plano campus. Though the area up north is newer and growing, it already has 175,000 people within a five-mile radius of that campus. What that means is in Collin County, where there are over 1.1 million people who live right here in our county, almost half of them will be within five miles of a LifePoint campus once we launch that second campus. Opportunity to share Jesus and build believers with more people. So here's the launch date, here's the timeline. We will launch the second campus on Easter Sunday, April the 9th, 2023. Let me give you the timeline on how we're going to kind of work that out. First of all, in January, 
which is the month we're in right now and what we're kicking off today, is identifying who will attend each campus. Which community are you going to help us try and reach and serve the best? And then where will you volunteer in what role? We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And then in February, we want to actually train volunteers. We have a training uh, event in the first Sunday of February, but that's the goal for the month of February. And then in March, we actually begin to have a preview service at the end of the month in preparation for the Rock Hill campus launch. And the launch, of course, will take place Easter Sunday, April the 9th. Now, I mentioned the times because we have to keep the times separately in order to be able to have both teams in both places. And so because of Rock Hill campus being a setup campus, it's going to take quite a bit of extra time in order to set that campus up. So this campus, Plano, will be the first service at 9 o'clock. And then the Rock Hill campus will be the second campus or the second service at 1030. This schedule will begin in April. Everything's the same until then. Here's the really good news. You will now have two options. If time is most important to you, pick the time that works best for you. If location is the most important to you, you'll now have two options. They're uh, 15, 16 minutes apart, beginning in April. Now, those of you who are volunteers, who are key volunteers, and you're here today, and you're thinking, man, this is awesome, but why didn't I already hear about this? you you know, I just want you to know, we know that you're vital. We can't do any of this without you, and the staff has been itching to talk with you. And, and the staff has been, you know, excited to, to kind of have that opportunity to follow up, to honestly process it with you and to get your input and to begin to talk about ways to approach it. But the truth is, I was asking them to hold it close to the vest so that we could all hear this together as a church family. I could give it context and we could talk about it a little bit about the backstory, which I think is important. So now the leaders will be following up with you, just know, over the next day or two, and they'll begin to process it with you and talk about the details and how it will impact your specific area. Now, if you're in a life group that meets here on 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, we're going to kick those off next week. Just know those continue on to Easter. And then if your group decides they want to continue to meet and your group leader decides they want to continue to lead and you want to flip the schedule where you service at 9 and you do the life group at 1030, then that's great. Pastor Isaac will be following up with each of the life group leaders And kind of working out the details and and hearing from them and what they want to do. More to come, that's one option. And then you may be asking, yeah, but Mark, what's the greatest need for this new opportunity? As we think about the kingdom impact of this second campus, what's the greatest need right now for LifePoint? Well, you may remember we talked about those three hurdles. Facility and finances And the third one was volunteers. And that brings us back to what we started talking about today. The truth is, not only is this a need, I believe it is an opportunity for your faith to grow this year. Is to step into something you may not feel fully prepared for, you may not feel, hey, that wasn't even on my radar. Now you will see what God will do, and he may be doing it through you, but this is an opportunity for all of us. So let me give you the details. At Rock Hill, we will need 150 people to commit to that campus, not only for critical mass, but just to make it work. Let me give you the details of each ministry and where that works out. There's 20 in guest services. All of these are so that there can be a rotation so that you could serve on a rotation. 50 in children's, 30 in tech and worship, 20 in students, and 30 in setup teardown. Can I just say something real quick too about the setup teardown? 
If you've never done set up and tear down, or if you're wondering what in the world is set up and tear down, this is again on a rotation so that it would be an every other week uh, commitment. But let me just tell you, these are the heroes of churches in a temporary location. These are the people who serve quietly behind the scenes that make it. All this is great, we see this, but none of this matters without this. And can I just tell you, a lot of you are servants, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to serve behind the scenes, that's kind of my thing, that's what I'm going to do. I, you know, I don't mind getting there an hour early and setting up a church, you know, and, and, and pushing in carts and putting stuff in certain rooms, and then the volunteers will come in and set it up. If that's you, then this, is, this might be a place for you, but I just want to tell you, I didn't plan to say this, but I just gotta, I gotta say this. Pastor Isaac, who's on staff, who came out and did the Wheel of Growth, if you, if you were here at 1030, then, then you get to enjoy that. If you weren't, ooh, you missed out. But <laughs> Pastor Isaac, who came out and did that, he is one of the greatest servants that I've ever known. And as we were talking about these teams, we need staff to help manage the teams. And it shouldn't have surprised me, but Isaac was the first one to say, I'll oversee that team. I'll make sure the setup teardown team is always happening. I'll serve right alongside to, to make sure this happens because we know how critical it is. I just want to say, if you're a servant and you want to serve with a servant and to serve with Pastor Isaac, that is a true servant of God. And that is an opportunity to be part of a team that makes this work. I didn't plan to say that, as you could tell, but uh, nevertheless, I think it's important to highlight that, that piece of it. All right, so you may be here and you go, well, you know what, I need time to pray about it. This is the first I'm hearing about it. I just need to talk it over with my family. I, I don't know which campus. I don't know what ministry I would be serving in. Totally get it. Here's what we're asking. We would ask to hear back from you by the end of January so that we can make plans as to what ministry needs are going to be at each campus. And so here's what we would ask you to do. When you think about it and when you let us know, would you answer these two questions for us? Which campus will you primarily attend? And which ministry are you interested in serving? Now, you may say, I, I don't know if I'm even ready to serve. Well, just let us know which one you're interested in so that we can, again, begin to plan as far as the two campuses and the two ministry needs. Now, if you're here and you already serve, we're going to ask you to let us know still because we need to kind of have a, a full list so we know where everybody is and where they're going to be serving and where they're going to be attending. And so uh, the best way to do that is we've got a QR code here you can just go to. You can click that. Some of you already know. You're like, oh, I totally know which campus I'm going to, and I already know what area of ministry. Then you can go ahead and click this and let us know. It's a quick little survey. It'll take you about one or two minutes. But we want you to let us know, even if you already serve, where you plan to attend and which one, what areas you plan to serve. A lot of different areas that you can serve in. And then if you have kids, we would even ask you to you know, list the kids. Again, with children's ministry, we want to be prepared in both places um, so thank you for taking the time to fill that out. You can do that right now. You can do that later, but make sure that you fill that QR code out to help us be prepared. LifePoint, this is a lot bigger than me. And this is a lot bigger than us. The truth is, this is about what God is orchestrating, I believe, to do things he wants to do. And this is our opportunity to step in and to witness the mighty hand of God.
And so I know some of you are, you know, you're, you're a young family with young kids, and you're like, man, I'm just so busy. Or some of you are like empty nesters, and man, you just plan to travel. You're, you're like, I finally got a little freedom, I want to do that. Or some of you are retired, and you're like, I'm going to let somebody else step up. I have done my time. Well, the truth is, <clears throat> this is why we're on the planet, is to share Jesus with people, the hope of eternity. And to build the faith of people who are struggling in our divided culture and to lift him high and to create another lighthouse of the gospel just north of us. And so I just want to say to you, I, I think we can be, we can be a lot like the disciples who were with Jesus. And I, I want you to see this verse. It's in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is about to do a miracle and feed the 5,000. Disciples didn't know that. Instead, they see a group of thousands of people around them. You know what they're thinking? I'm tired. This is going to be hard. And so watch what they said. As evening approached, it's late. The disciples came to Jesus. And they said to him, look, this is a remote, this is a remote, this isn't even convenient here. I mean, there's no H-E-B around here. I know they're hungry, but what are we going to do? It's getting late. It's not convenient. And so watch what they said. Send the crowds away. Think about that. Send the crowds away. A cr a people who need Jesus, the people who knew Jesus most, walked in and said, I don't know, this isn't convenient. Can we just send them away? And then let them buy them food for themselves. I don't know about you, there's something in all of us that we think about, okay, that's a different area, you know. I know it's only 15 or 16 minutes, but still, there are people who have been moving here from all other states. They've been moving here from all parts of the country. They've been moving parts of, the, of Texas, you know, the, to, to, to move. It's all these people, it's explosive growth. Yeah, but it's getting late, right? It feels like a remote place. And it's tempting to say, let's just send them away. So let somebody else do that. I think that's the normal, we don't have to feel shame over that. That's a normal human response. And watch what Jesus said to these tired, confused, unprepared disciples. In the next verse, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, well, we can't. 5,000 people, there's no H-E-B. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And once again, we're going to be reminded in this story where you do what you can do and trust God to do what only he can do. But when you participate, your faith will grow. And so the disciples did what they could do. And Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people, and 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. The disciples got to be part of something that was bigger than them because they refused to pass on the opportunity to serve. And as a result, their faith grew, and eventually the church of Jesus Christ was launched. But this was one of those faith-building moments. Why? Because when you do what you can do and trust God to do what only he can do, your faith will 
grow. Let me personalize it this way, and I want you to say this out loud with me. Say this with me. When I do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do, my faith will grow. And the disciples became part of something bigger than them. But think about Moses in our original story. Moses is like, I can't do this. God, what are you doing? Everything's going, getting harder. Why would you have sent me in here and now the Israelites are mad at me? I don't, I don't understand. The hurdles are too big. And yet because he did what he could do, God did what only God could do. And as a result, he ended up being used to free all these people from a nation of enslavement back toward the promised land. He got to witness the splitting of the Red Sea He got to witness the mighty hand of God because he did what he could do and he trusted God to do what only God could do. It was bigger than him all along. Sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? Yeah, but what's my schedule look like? This is a little disruptive. You know, we, we, it's a normal response. Moses felt the same way. The disciples felt the same way. And each time God says, yeah, but I'm up to something bigger. You can't see it. This is where I need you to trust me. This is where faith comes in. So let me ask you a personal question as we kick off 2023. What bigger than you thing will you do or will God do through you this year because you're willing to do what you can? What bigger than you thing? And let me just remind you, 95% of people who come to Christ do it before the age of 30. And every mile you go north, people get younger and there are fewer churches. Listen, I know you've probably got a lot of things on your radar. You came in today with a full schedule and you don't need me to add anything to your schedule. You have a busy life. I'm sure that you have a lot on your plate. But let me just tell you, there are a lot of things you can do this year in 2023 that might be more profitable. There are a lot of things you can do in 2023 that might be more popular. But I don't believe there's much you can do in 2023 that will be more kingdom and eternally meaningful than establishing another lighthouse of the gospel that will go up north to an area that's less church and much younger and will share Jesus and build believers for years to come. God willing, it will share Jesus and build believers beyond our lifetime. It will be a legacy of faith that we are being invited into and at the end of the day it will grow our faith, not because we do anything great, but because God will show up and we will get to witness the mighty hand of God and he's inviting us in right now to say listen I know you don't know the answers yet I know you don't know all the complexities I know you don't feel completely prepared but I'm asking you to do what you can do and trust me to do what only I can do and in 2023 this step of faith your faith will grow our faith will grow and imagine if we get to say wow look what God did only what God can do. We'll give him the glory for it all. Now, let me just, let me tell you, I believe the heart of God is to awaken his people. I believe the heart of God is to awaken his people to what he is doing. Whether it's a revival, whether it's a conversion of, of, of people's hearts, that God wants to awaken our hearts. And one of the ways he awakens our heart is when we begin to serve people other than ourselves and this is what I'm inviting us to so with that said tonight I want to invite you to come back to gather this is a chance where we're just going to pray because again this isn't about us being smart enough strategic enough this is about us trusting a God who can do only he's the only one who can do this
And so I want to invite you, because we're going we're gonna to share in communion, we're going to worship together, we're going we're gonna to pray together, we're going to meet over the Connection Center. I just want to invite you to come back. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we'll meet for an hour. And um, yeah, I know the Cowboy game is on, but let me just tell you now, Commanders aren't playing their starter. Philadelphia's playing. The Giants aren't playing their starters. Doesn't matter. Let's just come back and let's do business that is eternally significant, okay? We'll enjoy the playoffs next week, shall we? All right. So having said all that, I know we've gone through a lot of information. And you may just say, you know, I just need to process all that. That was, that was great, but there's still a lot of information. So tonight, what you may want to do sometime today, sometime this week, you can just go back and you can watch this on Facebook. You can watch this on the website. You can watch this on YouTube. But you can just watch the announcement again and get all the information that way. Also, there's a link on our website at the bottom that uh, you can go to, and, and on our homepage, there's a link that says Second Campus FAQ. Now, our, our, our website address is historically lifepointplano.org, and it's still live, it'll still continue to go, but as we move into this new season, we know that's one of the updates that we need to make, and so this is a new website, lpchurch.cc. Both of those websites are live, they point to each other, but at the bottom of the homepage, is that second campus FAQ. It's just a chance to kind of, okay, digest it a little bit more, process it a little more. Hope you'll take the time to do that. Are we doing okay? Amen. I'm just so grateful for you all because here's what I know. God alone can do this. God alone is leading us to this. But I sleep a lot better at night knowing that we're in it together. And I am just so grateful for you. And to know what God has done here and to know what he continues to want to do here and in a new area, we get to be teammates for a whole lot of years serving our great God. And I love you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for the heart that you all have. And as we pray about this together, God continues to unite our hearts. I'm grateful for what he's doing in your life too because our faith will grow. So let me pray, and then we'll sing as we close out today. God, I thank you so much that you're still active. You're on your throne. The story of Moses, 1500 B.C. or so, you're not an ancient God who no longer. Instead, you're an ancient God who's still actively working. And we're reminded of that here today. God, we know that we have a part to do what we can and then to trust you with what only you can do. So God, I'm asking that you would grow our faith in this season because that is at the center of our relationship with you. May this be a year where we love you more, we depend on you more, we take steps for you more, and you are more glorified in the end. May you use us, God. Use our hands, use our heart, use our feet. All for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.